Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Well, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 this morning. If you're new or visiting, we're going through the book of Corinthians. If you're searching for a church, I encourage you to give whatever church you're going to, you know, a couple months, two to three months, and find out if you're called to that church, if you're called to this church. It's very important that you go where you are called, not where you're comfortable, per se, but where you are called so you can be ministered to, but then you can turn and minister to others. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's start in verse 1, although we covered verses 1 through 4 last week, um, just to get the full context of our text, and we'll read through verse 13. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the Red Sea. Now, it doesn't say Red Sea, but we know it was the Red Sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. But with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And lust, remember what we talked about last week? We oftentimes just think of it as sexually. No, it's just a desire for that which is forbidden. A desire for that which is forbidden. Covers all kinds of areas. Verse 7, And do not become idolaters as some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt God, Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain, as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, mankind, But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Father, we thank you for all that's taking place in our midst. What a blessing, Lord, to be able to sing together, to be able to give of our our finances, to see people baptized And now the most blessed privilege we all have to hear, to study, to meditate on the word of God. This cannot be done publicly in certain countries, in many countries, matter of fact. And so, Father, we thank you for this privilege we have. Help us not to take it for granted. Help us not to become so comfortable that we're lazy, that we're lackadaisical that we have an attitude of, well, you know, it's really not a big deal. No, it's a big deal, the days we're in. It's a very big deal. So, Lord, give us wisdom, give us discernment. I pray for the gift of teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Uh, I mentioned it the first service. I forgot about it, so I'll mention it now. I would encourage you, I read over this week, I would encourage you to read Ezekiel 36, 37, 38, and 39. Ezekiel 36 and 37, 38 and 39. And they showed the days that we're living in right now. It's very, very important that we know what we're living in so we can know how to live how we can stay focused on the king, on the Christ, not looking for the Antichrist. I firmly believe the Antichrist is alive. Uh, So many things that this world is doing, including this nation, does not make any sense at all, science or otherwise, but is taking place. Uh, This past week, an individual was fired from their job because they would not take the shot. Yes, in America, this is taking place. Fear, intimidation. Uh, If you don't submit, there will be a consequence and it may cost you your job. As far as I know, that's not American. But there's a bigger agenda behind what's taking place. So don't get caught up with what's happening in America. This is happening around the world. Forced. Forced decisions. You will be willing, they're saying. You will become willing one way or another. So this is a, there's a big agenda taking place. So please read Ezekiel 36, 37, 38, and 39. The next major thing uh, that could possibly happen is Russia coming down and invading Israel. And God, God is the one who's going to defeat the armies, not Israel. God is going to defeat the armies. And although a majority of Israelis do not believe in God, that live in Israel right now, they do not believe in God. And you might think, well, how could that be? Well, if you had your grandparents or your parents or your aunts and uncles go through a Holocaust, you would probably be questioning God as well. So we need to pray for their souls because they are still God's chosen people, whether we like it or not. And that is God's land, and he's going to protect it, and Jesus is coming back to it. And so we want to be aware of what's going on so that we can minister to people around us who are living in fear. Guys, we have a living hope. We have a living hope. The three memorials that I, that I was able to do, we know where those people are. They're in heaven. We didn't lose them. They're in heaven. We know where they're at. We have to mourn. We have to grieve. We have to go through that process. But do you know, do you know if you died right now that you would go to heaven? If you don't, you need a personal relationship with God via Jesus Christ. Nobody's getting out of here alive. Nobody. 21-year-old gal this past week died. 59-year-old man. Not a part of our fellowship, but close to the school here. So guys, don't look at your age and think, well, I got 50, 60 years. No, you might have 50, 60 minutes. There's no guarantee you're walking out of this building alive. You know, it's wonderful being a Christian and having the freedom to do whatever you please. At least that is what some Christians might think about their walk in Christ. And that's what Paul's addressing in chapters 9, 10, and 11 in the Corinthians here. He's teaching us that even though we have freedom or Christian liberties, we need to count the cost of those freedoms and place others above our liberties. You see, Paul is going to use the Israelites and their wilderness experience, 40 years, as an example of how not, how not to use our Christian liberties in Christ. You see, it's good to look back at times. I discourage you from looking back and beating yourself up. That's not good, and that's not healthy. 
But we can learn, look back and learn from our failures, learn from our mistakes, or learn from someone else's mistakes so that we don't continue to make the same mistake or that we can even avoid the same pitfall of those desires that are part of what is called the flesh. We all have the flesh. That's exactly what Paul is doing here in chapter 10. He's looking back to the Israelites. So the Christians in Corinth might have a physical example of how not to live their lives and lose out on the potential fruit that can be stored up in heaven. As Jesus said, store up treasure in heaven. He's warning them about becoming disqualified. Calvary firmly believes that you cannot lose your salvation. If you're truly saved, you're sealed until the day you die. So that's not what was being talked about if you're new today. But you can neutralize your testimony by living in the flesh. And that's what Paul was talking about last week, becoming disqualified from the race. You can always get requalified by repenting and getting right with God. But if you're living in the flesh and you're feeding yourself and you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing, the world is looking at you and they're going, so what you go to church? So, so what you talk about God? So what you say you pray? Look at your life. I mean, as an unbeliever, I know you shouldn't be doing that. I mean, they might not say that, but they're thinking it. So we've got to remember, we are walking epistles. We might be the only Bible that people read all week long. It's our lives. And so we want to be aware of that and remember that because we're ambassadors for Christ. We have the ministry of reconciliation and restoration. So verse 5 in 1 Corinthians 10 But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Who are the them there? Who are the them? Well, it's the story of the first entering into the promised land where Moses took the Israelites out of Egypt, crossed through the Red Sea. Um, It took two years to get to the land of Canaan. It didn't need to take that long, but they were just rebellious, so it took that long. There were 10 spies that went in, or 12 spies that went in, and only, as the the 12 came back, 10 had a negative report of going into the land and conquering land. Two had a positive report. And so in Numbers 3.32, we read this. Of all those I rescued from Egypt, and it's approximately 3 million people, estimated to be 3 million people, no one who is 20 years old or older will ever see the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for they have not obeyed me wholeheartedly. So as we look at that verse, but with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. It was their disobedience. It was their denial that God could take the land. No, there's giants. We can't do it. And they couldn't have done it. And right now, you might be facing a giant where somebody's telling you the same thing. If you don't get the shot, you're going to lose your job. And you have to pray, and you have to decide between you and God. I'm not going to tell you one way or another. You have to pray and decide what would God have you to do to build your testimony. It's between you and God, nobody else. But God is there for you, and he will always be there with you. Whichever choice you make, God will be there, but God will direct your steps. You have to make that decision. Very, very important. But obedience is the key. The obedience is key. Well, I don't know if God will... Okay, there's the problem. 
look back. That's what Paul is doing. He's looking back. And you and I can look back in our lives. I shouldn't say you. I can look back in my life and I can see God meeting me and meeting me and meeting me, taking care of our family, taking care of our kids, taking care of our bills, taking care of our finances. I can see God's hand in our lives as a marital couple, in our lives as a family. I can see God. So I can say, I have no doubt that God is in what's happening today. I have no doubt about that. The Antichrist is alive. We're going to get to Revelation 13. One world government, one world religion, one world economic system. It is going to happen. This is all just preconditioning. Just getting everybody into the mode. Okay, if we don't obey, this is going to happen. Okay, if we don't obey, this is going to Oh, if we don't obey. And people, many people are falling in line. There's some resistance, but many people are falling in line. So you have to pray about it. God, what are you calling me to do? How are you asking me to behave? Verse 6, now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Let's look at Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11, quickly. What did they lust after? Interesting, because again, we oftentimes think of lust as just dealing with sex. It's not just that. Numbers chapter 11, and the team always does a great job. If you're new, if you're not familiar with your Bible, the little white rectangle there will show you where it is. That, that's, there are 66 little rectangles up there, 66 of them. So that you'll be able to go, okay, it's very early on in my Bible. It's between Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Exodus. It'll help you find it. It's very important that you get used to your Bible because uh, when they shut your phone off, you won't be able to swipe it. Numbers 11... <laughs> Now the mixed multitude who were among them, so some that were not Jews, yielded to intense craving so that the children of Israel, the Jews, also wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish. So what were they lusting after? The list is here. What were they lusting after? Were they lusting after sex? Were they lusting after money? Were they lusting after, we need a new donkey? We need a newer cart? I need some new sandals? Which, by the way, that reminds me, um, as you read the Bible, after 40 years, their shoes, the Bible says, God is such a God of detail, their shoes never wore out. Could you imagine wearing the same sandals for 40 years? You might think I wouldn't want to. When God takes care of your feet, you're going to be, yeah, I'm fine with that. 40 years, not a problem. God's got it. Verse 5, we remember the fish that we ate freely in Egypt. Was it free? (laughs) It's called slavery. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. That's not a great list to me, but, you know, maybe it is to you. (laughs) I'm like, where's the beef? But now our whole being or our soul is dried up. There's nothing at all except this manna, which happens to come from God every day. Just just heavenly food, this stinking manna before our eyes. So what were the evil things that they lusted after? Physical, temporal, fleshly things. These things that had no eternal value whatsoever but only fulfilled their temporary fleshly satisfaction. And it's the same for us today. The world offers us liberty through careers, through hobbies, 
through alcohol, drugs, sex, maybe through politics, you'll, you'll be free. You'll be free from your emptiness if you just do this or that. And maybe you're here this morning and you don't have Jesus as your savior and, and you're trying to fill that void. You're trying to fill it with uh, maybe parenting, uh, elevating your kids. Maybe you're trying to fill it with uh, you're, you're younger, you're 19, 20, 21, and you're trying to fill it with education. Uh, maybe you're older and, and you're retired and you're just trying to fill it with, oh, it's sweet to be retired and I've got all this money in my 401k and nobody's ever going to touch it. <laughs> Get ready, it's coming. Where is your needs? How are they being met? And as maybe you're saying right now, you know what, uh, that, that, that's me. I want to let you know you'll never be satisfied. And there's many people in this room that could stand up and say, I tried, I tried, I tried, and I was never satisfied. I received Jesus, I became satisfied. Many testimonies in this room. So if that is you, I'm not just talking about myself, I'm talking for many people in this room, you will never be satisfied. And I can tell you that from the Bible, you will never be satisfied. That, that emptiness is a need for the Holy Spirit to come and dwell within you. Because when this or that is over, there's still a void and emptiness within that cannot be filled with temporary, physical things. You see, the temporal enticements of this world, they never satisfy the eternal desires. The Holy Spirit through Paul is going to give us more figures or types this morning of the Israelites and their years in the wilderness to show us that freedom from the world does not automatically mean deliverance from sin. You see, as a believer, there needs to be a reliance upon God via the Holy Spirit to be supernaturally set free. Are you captivated by something? Pornography, swearing, uh, alcohol, tobacco, anger, hatred, social media. I can't wait to get on social media and bash somebody. Are you captivated by something? How do you get set free? By asking the Holy Spirit, by repenting and asking the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh to give you the power and the strength to not go down that road. And the Holy Spirit will meet you. The Holy Spirit will give you that strength. You might fail. I fail. You might fail. But the Holy Spirit will pick you back up as long as we just continually surrender, continually repent. There needs to be that total reliance upon God via the Holy Spirit. Verse 7. And do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. When we hear idolaters, <laughs> when we hear that word, I'm laughing because of the first service, most of us probably think of someone who has a statue of Mary or Buddha and is bowing down in prayer to that statue. Now, I had this in my notes and, and the Holy Spirit brought it to mind. <laughs> so, so many years ago... Um, we were born and raised Roman Catholic, and so our parents were Roman Catholic. And uh, mommy, Claudia's mom, mommy received Jesus as her savior in her, I think, early 80s. And, uh, you know, it's hard to debug the program, and she continued to go to Mass and continued to remain a Roman Catholic. And we were like, hey, you love Jesus, you accepted Jesus, she would read her Bible, she would talk to us about Jesus. She was saved. There's no question she was saved. But there were certain things that she held on to, and, and we had car issues one time, and uh, we borrowed her car. And, and in her car on the dashboard is a statue of Mary. And it happened to be on a Saturday, so I'm driving to church on Sunday morning, that car. And I'm going, oh man, I can't go into the parking lot with Mary on the dashboard. So, <laughs> so I, I took a little towel and I covered up Mary. 
the problem is when we took the car back, I forgot to take the towel off. <laughs> so mommy wasn't happy. <laughs> and we covered up Mary. It was like, eh, well, you know. <laughs> but what is idolatry to us as believers? You know, for the Bible-believing Christians, idolatry is placing anything above our relationship with God. Anything. And what came to my mind is uh, a couple years ago, uh, for quite a while, it was called helicopter parent. You know, you're, you're floating around your child, making sure that nothing bad happens to your child. Helicopter parent. And recently, uh, there's lawnmower parent. They call them lawnmower parents now. I'm going, lawnmower? What's a lawnmower parent? Well, that's the parent that goes in front of them and gets everything out of the way and wraps them in bubble wrap so that they don't ever fall or get hurt or make a mistake. It's like, oh, wow, lawnmower parent. Now I'm in the safety. I, I get all that. But you know, when a kid falls and hits her head on the concrete, don't look. Seriously. I'm telling you from a grandparent stage and a parent's, don't look. Just kind of, ooh, that hurt. <laughs> look the other way because they're looking right at you. And as soon as you freak out, what do they do? Meltdown. But when you don't look, if they're not really hurt, I mean, obviously I'm not talking about child abuse here, obviously. But you know, if they're not hurt, they'll, they'll look at you and you don't have a reaction. They'll go back and play. They'll just, they'll just go, hey, I must be okay because they're not worried about it. So be careful. You've elevated anything above God, including your children, that's idolatry. That's idolatry. Your 401k above God, that's your idolatry. Your career, your hobby, you don't have enough time to read. I got time to play a round of golf, which I used to play golf. I don't anymore. Terrible at it. But when I did go to play, it would be a five-hour ordeal, maybe six. Got time to play a round of golf, but you don't have time to spend 15 minutes in the Word of God? It's called idolatry. Idolatry. It's applicable to today. Be very, very careful. Verse 8. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Let's look back at Numbers 25. Numbers 25. 1 through 3. Nor let us commit sexual immorality. Today, this would be living together outside of marriage. It's just a piece of paper. We can live together. We're married in God's eyes. No, you are not. If you're not married by a justice of peace or by the church, you are not married in God's eyes. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Or not living together, but just having sex outside of marriage, you're committing sexual immorality. Numbers 25. Now Israel remained in the Acacia Grove, and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. They invited the people, the women invited the Jewish men to the sacrifices of their gods, little g. And the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel was joined to Baal or Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was roused against Israel. There was the Canaanite god named Baal or Baal, which means Lord or Master. But the word Baal was also used for various other gods as well. The Moabites had Chemosh as their national god. Peor was a mountain that was located just north of the Dead Sea and east of the Jordan River. You see, this situation of the Israelites committing fornication happened just before Moses was about to die. That means that the children of Israel would have been in the wilderness for close to 40 years now. 
How long have you been in the Lord? 20, 30, 40, 50 years? Don't think that something can't happen to you. And we can see that they still had issues with their flesh. In the end, it caused 24,000 of them to die by a plague sent by God. You see, Paul is reminding the Corinthians that sin has its consequences. Just because you have Christian liberty, don't think that you can commit sexual sin and not have any consequences. Adultery is not an affair. An affair is adultery. There's nothing fair about it. Adultery is adultery. And I hate to be, say that and be that firm, but I have Christians who will come in and they'll say, well, I'm, committing, I'm having an affair. And I'll straighten them out right then and there. No, you are not. You are committing adultery. Now, let's move on with the conversation. Got to call sin what it is. Sin, are you ready to repent? Verse 9 nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Again, Paul is not giving a chronological teaching because this event took place a short time prior to verse 8. So verse 9 is in reference to when Moses was leading the people to the promised land, had a battle with the Canaanites, which the Israelites had won, but then they decided to take a different route to the promised land, which ended up being quite a bit longer. This didn't make them happy. And they got very upset with Moses. And they started to complain against Moses and against God. So Paul says here that they were tempting God. It says Christ. When you go back into the Old Testament and read it, the account says God and Jesus is God. So there you go. In other words, they were calling God on the carpet and they were putting him to the test, which is not a very wise thing to do when you understand who God is and how wonderful his ways are. So God sent serpents to bite the people, causing many of them to die. You can read the whole account. We don't have time this morning, but I would encourage you to read Numbers chapter 21 this week. Numbers chapter 21, you'll get the whole account. But what is interesting about this story is that Jesus makes reference to it by applying it to himself in John chapter 3. And we actually still have the symbol to this very day. The people were getting bit. They were dying. Moses ran into the tabernacle, fell on his face, cried out to God. God said, okay, Moses, do this. Take a bronze serpent. And bronze is typically for judgment. Take a bronze serpent, put that serpent on a pole, and take it out to the people. Now, again, think of three million people. Anyone who looks to the pole even after they get bit, will be healed and restored. Not those who touch the pole, not those who pray to the pole, only those who look to the pole, they'll be healed. And Jesus makes reference to that in John chapter three, inferring anyone who looks to the cross. There's eight billion people approximately on the world today. Could a person in Afghanistan receive Jesus as his or her savior? And be forgiven. Absolutely. Could a person in Saudi Arabia do the same? Where the Bible is illegal. And converting, trying to convert someone to Christ could be the death penalty. Could they receive Jesus as their savior? Could a trans person receive Jesus as their savior? For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. And that's important for you and I as we go down this road in these desperate days where the enemy is trying to divide who in this nation? 
whites against blacks, against browns, against whatever, male against female, Republican against Democrat, against socialist, against this, against that, even in the church, trying to divide the church, shot, no shot, mask, no mask, do what God's called you to do. It's not my business, it's your business. Do what God's called you to do. Don't allow it to bring division into the church. Don't allow it to bring division into the church. That's what the enemy wants us to do. And so Jesus makes reference to this. Anyone who looks to the cross. And so as we go out into our world and we cross people's paths that have a very emotional response when they ask you a certain question and they go, oh, you're one of those. You want to immediately go to Christ. Yeah, yeah, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I believe Jesus saves me. Do you know Jesus as your savior? Get right to the heart of the matter because the other stuff is temporal. It's all gonna, it's all gonna burn. We only, we only have one shot to proclaim the gospel to them and so let's take advantage of that to the best of our ability. Verse 10, nor complain, not that any of us are complainers, nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Let's look at Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14. And the men which Moses sent to search the land who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against him by bringing up a slander upon the land. Again, we're going back to those 12 spies. 10 came back with an evil report. Two came back with a good report. Verse 37, Numbers 14. Even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague before the Lord. So this is what this is in reference to in verse uh, 10 here. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of the men that went to search the land, lived still. So I see something interesting in this verse here. Because we have 12 leaders, 12 leaders that went in. They were picked out. They were 12 leaders that were chosen. 10 came back with a, a bad report. They're too big. God can't deliver them into our hands. They are just way too big. And the other two are like, are you kidding me? Now, it's been two years. It's, it's just been two years already where God's been with them every single day, pillar of fire, cloud, manna, two years. Are you kidding me? God, they're, they're the grasshoppers. We're going to wipe them out. And the people rebelled and said, no, we don't trust God. We don't trust God. We're going to go back to Egypt. We're going to do it our way. The next day, they repented and said, no, we want to go in. And God said, too late, too late. 20 years old and above, you're going to die in the wilderness. Next 38 years, they died. The children and the grandchildren went into the promised land, not the adults. So we want to learn from that and be careful, not that we're going to lose our salvation or any of that nonsense, but people are looking at us as leaders, and you might think, well, I'm not a leader. Really? Do you have some children? Do you have a few children in your household? Do you have one child in your household? You're a leader. They're watching you. They're watching you. They're watching how you talk, how you act. They're being programmed. That's amazing when you see a three or four-year-old, especially girls. Girls are very expressive, not so much with boys. But when you see a little girl flip her hair and do something and put her hand on her hip, I'm going, man, I wonder where she got that from. I don't wonder. I know exactly where she got that from. They're watching. They're watching. And attitudes get developed very quickly. 
be careful. We're all in leadership in one regards or another. Verse 11, now all these things happened to them as examples and they were written for admonition. The word admonition there is a calling attention to, a mild rebuke or warning. Now all these things happened to them as examples and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Again, I think looking back can have a great benefit for good when used for educational purposes. History will repeat itself. Ask yourself about this as a single person or as a married person. If we keep having arguments, history's repeating itself. We gotta change. Something has to change. In our early marriage, first two years, it was a disaster. We were very immature. We were believers. We didn't understand the word. We weren't discipled. And we would have three, four, five-hour arguments, yelling, screaming. It was, it was horrendous. It was very, very bad. Getting divorced on our second anniversary. But then we went for counseling. And we had to change. Because when do people argue? People typically argue in private. Typically. And so we had to get out of that environment. We had to go for walks because we're both physical and so we need, we need to release some energy. Uh, we don't like arguing in public, never have, never will. And so when we get out for a walk, when you get out of that environment that, that the enemy got you regularly involved with and it becomes a pattern, you've got to break the pattern. You've got to break this cycle. And it might sound oversimplistic, but it works. You have to break the pattern. You have to break the cycle. You have to do something different. We have not argued for years. We might have some intense fellowship, but we have not argued for years. We, we haven't. There, there's really no need to argue. We pray. We read our Bibles. We're being led of the Holy Spirit. Yes, again, we have intense fellowship at times. But history will repeat itself, guys, if you don't stop, if I don't stop. Verse 12, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Proverbs 16 and 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 11, 2 says, When pride comes, then comes shame, but with the humble is wisdom. You see, Paul has been addressing Christian liberties, and here's the main point to those liberties. When you think that you have it all together and that you've got this Christian life all figured out, be careful because everyone else knows that you don't. Liberties are, not to be, liberties are to be respected in both directions, in my life as well as yours. And that's why I say, with whatever's going on, you pray, God will lead you. Just stick to what God would have you to do. Verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, mankind, male and female. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You see, God puts our lives to the test. James tells us that God obviously doesn't ever tempt us or allure us with sin. That's one of the things, if anybody asks you, is, is it anything impossible for God? Yes. It's impossible for God to lie, and it's impossible for God to tempt you or lure you to sin. There might be a few other things. You pray about it. But those are definitely two things. Like, it's impossible for God to do that. So don't ever blame God. Now, he'll put us to the test, to see where our allegiance lies, to see if we'll be faithful in the little things so that we might be entrusted with more. 
James 5.17 says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. When Paul was at Lystra, they wanted to offer sacrifice to the gods on behalf of Paul because he had been used by God, big G, to heal a man. In Acts 14.15, Paul says, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you. Notice in verse 13, because some people say, I'm the only one going through this. No one will ever understand the lie from the pit of hell. You're not the only one going through a test or a temptation. Matter of fact, we did this in the first service. Raise your hands high in case there's someone here who actually thinks that right now and show them it's not true. In the last 18 months, have any of you gone through a test, a trial, or a temptation? So if you're here this morning and you think I'm the only one, keep your hands up so they can look around. If, you, if you're here this morning and you think you're the only one going through something, you're not. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Look around you. We're all people that have natural-like desires, and we all have to have the Holy Spirit keep those desires in check, natural as well as unnatural. Notice in the middle of the verse there as we get ready to wrap it up. Matt, come on up. God is faithful. God is faithful. For me, amen, for me, um, as I've already mentioned, I look back to God taking care of three million Israelites for 40 years. Yeah, but this is 2021. What happens if the fries closes? Well, let me see. You got Bashes, you got Target, you got Walmart, you got Circle K, you got... <laughs> what did they have? Oh, they just had God. Oh, just God? That's all, just God. Guys, no matter how bad it's going to get, and it is going to get harder, because I can guarantee you nobody in this room thought six months ago that this government would say, if you don't get the shot, we're going to fire you, and it happened. I bet you six months ago nobody thought that. There's going to be a new norm every three to six months for the rest of our lives until Jesus comes back. There's going to be a new norm, whether you like it or not. And you want, to be, you want to have your head in the word of God so that you stay focused on the word of God. And when the new norm comes this week or the next week, you go, that's okay. God's on the throne. And Jesus has a plan. And this isn't just about America. This is about the whole world. The whole world is coming under this deception. It's called conditioning. The world is being conditioned. So when the Antichrist does appear which we don't look for the Antichrist. We stay focused on the Christ because according to scriptures, the Antichrist is not going to be revealed until the church is taken off the earth. So don't waste your time. But we need to keep looking at the Christ so that our heads are in the right place so that we don't become fearful or that we don't hate the other side or that we don't get over emotional about our side but that we keep going back to the scriptures It's appointed unto mankind, male and female, to die once. Die once. Where are we going? Heaven or hell? We're ambassadors for Christ, guys. This week, heaven or hell. Father, we thank you and praise you for your goodness, your faithfulness, and we're living in weird days, desperate days, evil days, where evil is being called good and good is being called evil where right is wrong and wrong is right.
Your scriptures told us this, forewarned us. We know who wins. We've, rest, we've read the rest of the story. But Lord, we're still trapped in these bodies of flesh and we have emotions. So Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit that will keep our eyes on heaven, that will be made, will be allowed, will allow ourselves this week to minister to whoever might cross our paths, whatever they like, whatever, whatever they look like, whatever they might say that even irritates us, that will look past and say, man, how can I love this person? How can I love this person? I don't like them, but how can I love them? How can I lead them to Jesus? Use us, Lord, this week. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Just want to wrap it up with this. Um, you can all stand. Why don't we all stand? Last week at the end of the second service. Thank you. That's it. So last week at the end of the second service, a 12-year-old girl brought a neighbor friend who wasn't going to church and her neighbor friend wanted to know God and was seeking after God and actually told Claudia and I, we were standing right over there by the door, and saying, you know, I've been praying and, and I want to know God. And the neighbor girl said, she wants to get saved after the service last week. And so we took, Claudia and I, we t- went into the office together with both the young ladies and I asked the girl, do you understand? And we went through all that and she asked Jesus to be her savior last week in the office. Amen. I say that to encourage you, don't get caught up in everything else that's going around. Be available this week to minister to people who are hurting who are living in fear, who are maybe in a hospital, or who have maybe had a loved one die from this virus. It is real, and people are dying, but they're also dying of cancer and everything else as well. Keep it in perspective. But guys, we need to be available. The world is passing away. We have the truth. Be available. I want to encourage you with that. Be available, guys. God bless you. Need prayer for anything? And if you'd like to receive Jesus, be bold like that 12-year-old. Come up here after the service. We're not going to hurt you. We're going to pray with you to receive Jesus. It's the only way to get to heaven. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.